This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is Episode 9. Today we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's obsessive journey to achieve financial independence. If you recall from the last episode, they decided to rent themselves, but save up for 20% down payments to buy 10 rental properties to rent out to others. They were relying primarily on the cash flow from those properties to eventually be able to provide them with their minimum target monthly income in retirement so they could stop working their tech jobs. By investing in 20% down payment rentals, they were able to achieve financial independence in just under 31 years. That's 370 months. What difference will it make by putting 25% down when they buy their rentals? Will it allow them to achieve financial independence faster, or will it be slower? Well, saving up 25% down payments will take longer than saving up 20% down payments. For example, They're able to buy their first rental property in month 92 when saving up for 20% down payments, but it takes seven months more for them to save up the extra down payment required for a full 25% down payment, plus the closing costs and reserves in both scenarios. This pattern repeats itself for buying each subsequent property. Saving up for 25% down payment takes a bit longer than saving up for 20% down payment on property two and three and four and so on. You might be wondering if this delay would lead to Norm and Norma achieving financial independence a few months later, saving up 25% down payments instead of 20% down payments. Well, not so fast. What are the benefits of putting 25% down when buying rental properties over putting 20% down? Well, there's the obvious. By putting more down, they are borrowing less. For example, Let's look at the first rental they buy in both scenarios. And let's look at month 99, the first month they own the 25% down payment rental. The mortgage balance of the property they put 20% down payment on, the one they've owned for seven months at this point, has a mortgage balance of about $373,000. The property they just bought with 25% down has a mortgage balance of about $358,000. That's a difference of about $15,000. Now, I'll admit, by purchasing the property a little later, it does give the property a little time to appreciate, which means the loan amount is higher than it would have been if they could buy it nine months earlier. But the property values are going up 3% per year, and we're talking less than a year of appreciation compared to putting an additional 5 percentage points down. So borrowing less, at least in this case, is still a benefit of putting 25% down. Now, that's not the only benefit of putting 25% down over putting 20% down. Typically, you get a better mortgage interest rate when you put 25% down than when you put 20% down. For example, when Norm and Norma talked to a lender to get mortgage interest rates for considering these strategies, they were quoted 6.625% with two points for 20% down payment, and 6.5% with no points for 25% down. While it's only a difference of one-eighth of a point, to get that rate for 20% down, it costs them 2% of the loan amount. That's the two points. 
And to get the 6.5% for the 25% down, it costs them no points. And having a lower mortgage interest rate, especially combined with borrowing less by putting more down, means that their monthly payment is lower. Having lower mortgage payments has several very practical benefits. First, lower mortgage payments means better cash flow. Does this better cash flow help them achieve financial independence enough to make it faster than putting 20% down? We'll see shortly. But having lower mortgage payments also means that they have slightly lower reserve requirement. If they're committed to keeping six months of all expenses as reserves, having a slightly lower mortgage payment means that they will need to keep slightly less in reserves to still have six months of reserves. One way that we measure risk is how resilient they are if rents go down before having negative cash flow. Having improved cash flow makes them more resilient to rents dropping. They could weather a decline in rents better with 25% down than someone who put 20% down on the same property. And a similar thing could be said about price declines. They're more resilient to being upside down with their mortgage if prices decline by putting 25% down instead of 20% down. But wait, there's more. With improved cash flow and lower mortgage payments, their debt to income is improved as well. If their rental property acquisitions were being limited by debt-to-income, this could be an even more significant benefit. Fortunately, regardless of whether they put 20% or 25% down, they were really not pushing their debt-to-income ratio anywhere near their qualification limit. But finally, putting 25% down means they have less overall debt. That means that some of the other ways we like to measure risk, like debt-to-net worth or debt-to-account balance, is better when they put more down. That means it is less risky to put 25% down. Now, if these were the only benefits of putting 25% down instead of 20% down, and they achieve financial independence even a little bit later than putting 20% down, one could make an argument to put the extra money down and accept the slight delay in achieving financial independence. Fortunately, they don't have to make that choice because it turns out that it is faster achieving financial independence putting 25% down. They achieve financial independence two years faster by putting an extra five percentage points down, 25% versus 20%. They're financially independent in 346 months, a little shy of 29 years with 25% down, compared to 370 months or a little shy of 31 years with 20% down. And because they're buying 10 rental properties in both scenarios, their standard of living is very similar in both cases. Putting 25% down gives them a slightly better standard of living earlier, and 20% has a slightly better standard of living later. With 20% down payments, they end up with a net worth of about $60.64 million after 60 years in inflated dollars. Compare that to about $58.59 million when putting 25% down. So about a $2 million more net worth inflated future dollars. If we adjust back to today's dollars, that's like 10.3 million to 9.97, or about $350,000 difference in favor of 20% down. Could being able to buy rentals with 15% down payment, non-owner occupant, investor loans sooner make a big enough difference for it to be faster for Norm and Norma to achieve financial independence? Even with the private mortgage insurance they would need to pay by putting less than 20% down. 
Well, in the next episode, we'll see how putting 15% down with PMI impacts Norman Norma's ability to achieve FI. Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rate, and variable stock market rates of return impacts Norman Norma as they put 25% down instead of 20% down. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about Norm and Norma putting 25% down to buy rentals. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.